Welcome to Weber Wenzel Legal Insights. With over 150 years of experience and deep industry knowledge, Weber Wenzel is the leading full-service law firm on the African continent. Good day and welcome to all of you who are listening in. Uh, my name is Johan Willifu. I'm a partner at Weber Wenzel. I specialize in employment law and I will be hosting today's panel discussion, which is uh, related to issues affecting foreign employees or expats working in South Africa. Uh, this is a fairly complex subject. It touches on various aspects of immigration law, labor law and tax law. And uh, to help uh, refine and focus our discussion, we'll have a question and answer session and we'll do it on three distinct topics. The first session will cover whether expat workers fall under South African employment law and various aspects relating to those contracts that you enter into with an expat. In the second session, we'll pose uh, common questions around work visas and the employment contracts. And in the third and final discussion, we will look at restructuring employment contracts for expats working in South Africa. Now, to guide us through, we have a distinguished panel here, and we're joined by three experts. The first one is Andreas Grenzel. He's the Chief Executive Officer of IBN Immigration Solutions. That's a company that provides specialist immigration services here in South Africa, also in other uh, African countries and they serve both multinationals and private individuals. From Weber Wenzel's side, we have June Chong. She's a partner in our tax practice and has broad experience in tax issues relating to employment as well. Kirsten Iser is the other partner. She's a specialist like me in employment law. Right. To move into our first topic, and that is now expat workers and whether South African employment law applies to them, as well as various aspects of their contracts, uh, we'll pose a number of questions. First one to you, Andreas. Um, when, in fact, does immigration law apply to an employee and when does he need to have a work permit? Well, uh, thank you very much, Johan. Um, so I think the first uh, important point to understand is really that immigration law really applies for foreigners being in South Africa. So, um, you know, that's a very important distinction. Um, and when do you need a work permit? Well, that is connected to the first answer, really, for any foreigner who works in the Republic. And then the second question I often get asked is really, what is work? Um, work is actually defined and to make it simple, basically it's defined as any activity in line with your usual profession um, or business. The important point here to note is that it doesn't matter if you get paid or not. So the remuneration part is, is not important for the definition of work. Now, um, what type of work permits are available to per people who come to work in South Africa, Andreas? Johan, so South Africa has actually quite a few options. Compared to other African countries, our immigration legislation is, is, is fairly complex. So we have four main ones, and then there's a couple of other ones which also allow people to work. So let me start maybe um, from a duration point of view. So we have a short-term work visa called the Section 112, 
and that is really valid usually for 90 days and it can be extended. So that's the number one. Then we have the typical uh, intercompany transfer situation, signee situation, um, which is obviously well known throughout the world. That is issued for up to four years, which is quite a nice duration. In Africa, usually, you know, other work permits are, are valid for two years. And then the last, uh, well, the next one would be the critical skills work visa. Um, these are for the highly skilled ones. South Africa has a list and it's looking at professions. And if you fall into this profession, then the critical skills might be, you know, applicable to you. And the last option of real work permits is the general work visa. Um, and that is quite comprehensive and requires a local market testing and involvement of the Department of Labor. So these are our four main ones. And then just, uh, you know, there are another three options. So just for the sake of being comprehensive here, you are allowed to work on a study visa. And then also, if you're married to a South African or a life partner of South African, there's actually the possibility to have a spousal visa with an endorsement to work, which also allows you to work. And then lastly, for a couple of uh, special companies, there's a corporate worker um, visa, which is also a work visa, but it is really applicable to certain companies. Yeah, this is this is really the overview of South Africa. Thank you, Andreas. Um, let's just use an example. Say, for instance, a South African company wants to employ a foreigner, Mr. X, but Mr. X never comes to South Africa and he never works in South Africa and he remains in his or her country. Now, does Mr. X actually need a work visa? No. So the short answer is no, because the person doesn't touch South Africa. And as I just explained before, the work visa is required for people within the Republic and immigration connects usually uh, status to within the Republic. So the answer is no. But before he's issued with that visa, he would like to start rendering services to the company in South Africa. Is this permissible? Well, Johan, this is a, <laughs> that, that's a tricky one. So that's a, that's a difficult question. Um, okay, so you asked me for a situation of an intercompany transfer. Now, here it's very important to understand that usually a requirement in the intercompany transfer visa is that you are employed within a group and you're currently employed by the sending entity and you buy, you're basically being assigned to South Africa and you start working once you're in South Africa. So you can't interrupt that employment relationship within the group with a with a consulting contract. So in terms of an intercompany transfer, that's not possible, in my opinion. However, if you're a new employee and you're being localized, so you're applying for a critical skills um, work visa, then I do think it could be thought of to, to, to put a consultation contract before because you're an external, you're first a consultant, and again, your employment relationship really starts and your immigration uh, duties really start when you come to South Africa. So uh, my answer would be for the intercompany transfer, no. For the critical skills, I do think it's, 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 you can think about it. But in practice, often it doesn't really matter because you apply, um, you submit the work visa, and then obviously it takes two to four weeks at the most missions to be issued with a work visa. And most international assignments or even hires really, I mean, you, you start working really when you're in the country. But yeah, I think I answered your question. Thanks, Jan. Thank you, Andreas. 
Right, let's move to Kirsten. Um, Kirsten, just explain to us, you know, with expat contracts and when they come to South Africa, how are those uh, contracts structured from a legal perspective? Hi, Johan. So the contract of employment for an expat um, needs to be the same as the contract of employment for a South African. Um, The legal requirements are the same. What makes it different, though, is that it must uh, contain um, a condition that the um, individual must have the necessary work permit um, to work in South Africa. Thanks, Kirsten. Now, you know, in addition, you know, if you have someone who's in South Africa and an intra-company work permit, is it legal to offer him a full employment contract? Uh, what happens to his original contract with the home country that he has signed abroad? So in South Africa, we do acknowledge dual employment. So it would be legal to make the offer of employment. You might find, though, that the foreign um, entity uh, with which he had the original contract of employment would look to terminate that relationship, and they would have to do that in terms of their local law. Andreas, anything to add to that? Maybe just, I, I do know that some countries, for instance, Germany, they are able to pause the initial employment relationship uh, and that kind of, you know, comes alive again once the expert goes back. But that's the only thing I can really add to that. Thanks. Now let's go to tax. June, uh, maybe you can just explain to us, you know, on ex- expats who are on the payroll in South Africa, um, in what country can one pay with salary and benefits? What are the tax issues? Can you explain for us, please? Experts coming to South Africa are usually not tax residents in South Africa. Therefore, as a general principle, non-tax residents are only subject to tax in South Africa on a source basis, meaning for services rendered in South Africa. Having said that, if an expat is seconded or on a work term uh, contract for a fair amount of uh, length, uh, then usually uh, the host country of South Africa will also place these uh, expats on their payroll. Um, uh, Kirsten mentioned a little bit about the uh, dual employment and one of the uh, criteria of ICT visas is that uh, the host can, uh, the home country uh, has the um, expat continually or suspended um, on their home country payroll. Now, um, in certain types of um, employment agreements, it is still necessary to have this expat on the home country payroll for a variety of reasons. For example, retirement contributions in home country. So just to understand, do they then have to pay tax and UIF here in South Africa, the South African company on behalf of that particular expat? Yes. So once these individuals are on the South African payroll, uh, they will then be subject to the South African Income Tax Act, fourth schedule and seventh schedule. So that's employees tax, uh, which is uh, withheld on the um, taxable earnings which they earn. And the taxable earnings will include any fringe benefits, um, which is um, granted to them. Um, accommodation, for example. Um, and the fringe benefits will be in terms of the seventh schedule of the South African Income Tax Act. 
this brings us to the end of this session. It's been an interesting session and we uh, definitely like to invite you to our next sessions uh, where we will discuss further topics relating to uh, issues affecting expats working in South Africa. I'd like to thank Andreas um, from IBN Immigration Solutions for his contribution and then Kirsten Eiser and also June Chong from uh, Weber Wenzel for sharing the insights and for our listeners for joining us. If there are any matters on which you need specific advice, please contact us at Weber Wenzel or at IBN Immigration Solutions. This has been a Weber Wenzel Legal Insight podcast. Our executive producer is Paula Yeowens, and this podcast is produced for Weber Wenzel by volume. This is Johan Willifield signing off. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Weber Wenzel Legal Insights. You can find and subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms. For more expert legal insights and updates, visit WeberWenzel.com.